uh, this past week, we had our fast week, and we had our nights of prayer. Again, it was awesome to be able to have our nights of prayer in person. And um, towards the beginning of the week, I really felt uh, in my spirit that, that uh, God was showing us that the enemy was going to come against the church specifically this week. And quite honestly, I saw it reflected in our attendance during prayer. We had, we've had 21 nights of prayer two different times. And the last night of prayer, we, um, of this, this last 21 nights of prayer, we had a lot of people here. And this past week, we didn't have a lot of people. And I didn't, I think in the past, if I had thought about it, I would have thought, <clears throat> excuse me, that, oh, the people are, you know, they just don't want to come or whatever, whatever. But I really, really, really felt the enemy was out to attack us. Just look at what's going on in our world today. There's not just division in our society, in our community, between Democrats, Republicans, or anyone, everyone else in between. There is actually division in our church, in our churches, across the United States. I've seen it so many times. And so I really felt like we needed to begin to pray. And as the week progressed, my week got really hard. And I know several of us whose week got really hard. How many of y'all had just had a rough week last week? A lot of people, a lot of, and especially if you, you come to Kingdom, you, I know you had a rough week because you've told me. To me, that is not an accident that we were going through some of these things. How many of you know we live in a supernatural world? We live in a physical world. Yes, we have hands, we have fingernails, we have eyes, we have a tongue. But we also live in a supernatural reality. The enemy would love nothing more than for us to think that all we're dealing with is what we see with our physical eyes. Had somebody share yesterday how they had they just felt this this very this negative energy come against them um, and just this this horrible thoughts and I and I asked them how long have you been dealing with this and they said just this past week and I, I just felt like the Lord just want to remind them, the reason why the enemy is becoming against you is because you've made a decision to to battle against the enemy and so we live in a supernatural world I mentioned this during our pre service prayer. How many of y'all have served in the military, have been in, in, in a combat situation where you've had to keep your head on a swivel? So we have, we have a few people. Unless you've been in combat, unless you've been in a war, you don't understand the threat of an enemy, right? So most civilians have no idea of, of these different threats. I was talking, I can't remember, maybe you're in here, I was talking to somebody last week and they said they remember um, having to go through um, drills as a kid because of, of the threat of a nuclear attack. We don't, we don't understand that. But if for some reason somebody were to declare war on us, we would begin to do some of these things. Did you know that there is a threat every day against your life? Every day. And the enemy, again, would love nothing more to make you think that what's happening to you, oh, it's just life, life's just happening, oh, things are just happening, it's okay. Okay, yeah, you'll get through it. He would love for us to divert our attention away from what's really happening so that we don't deal with it. Because once we deal with it, did you know you have authority as believers? You have supernatural authority. Not necessarily to change the details of the situation that you're in, but you have the authority to command peace in your life. How many of you need peace? How many of you need joy? As God's children, we have access to both of those things 24-7. 24-7. The world would want to tell you, hey, you got to go see a psychiatrist. you got to take this medicine. Not knocking any of that. God uses those things. But God has given us supernatural authority to access 
the things that are part of the kingdom. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But those things are peace and joy. Romans, uh, Romans 12, Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not just about uh, accumulating things or making sure that people are going to come against you. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you live in the kingdom of God, then the world doesn't affect you the same. It doesn't affect you the same. I'm jumping ahead in my notes, but I'm tired of the enemy taking advantage of God's people. And he takes advantage of us because we don't know the truth. We had a series about that a couple months ago. So we have a night of prayer, one more tonight. If you're part of kingdom, I encourage you to be here. There's power. I have struggled. I'll tell you, I've struggled to pray this past week. I've struggled to get up in the morning. I get up and I want to read. And I read like one chapter and I'm just done. And that's not like me. When I've come together with God's people, it's like a, a light is turned on. There's power when God's people come together. So please join us tonight, 7 p.m. All right, I'm going to pray one more time. We're going to address, I'm going to address one more time some issues that our nation has been dealing with the past three weeks. George Floyd being murdered and all the consequences that have come from that. This is a very divisive issue. It's a very divisive issue. And, but I really feel the church, if the church is not going to talk about relevant issues, then what are we going to talk about? Amen. Do you know the world out there doesn't care for things that don't minister to them, that don't meet their needs. They don't care. And we're wondering why the church is, is it's real, in the United States, it's dying. It's dying. The church is dying because, a church, because we have not decided to address these issues. So I really felt the need these past few weeks to address what is happening in our society. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our heart. Because the Lord wants to give you a fresh perspective about what's going on. I'm not saying he's going to give you that person you've been arguing with perspective. I'm telling you he's going to give you his perspective and it's going to shock some of us. So I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes and we're going to pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. Father, we don't know how to begin to handle this issue. This is a very touchy subject with so many people. Father, we need you to move. We need you to speak because we, we, don't, we don't know how to do it. We may know the right words to say. We may know some principles out of the Bible, but we don't know how to communicate it. Father, unity is a work of the Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come in and unite the one body. You didn't make several bodies based on how many different races there are in the world. You made one body, and your word says that we, would, that we should be one the way that you and the Father are one. So, Father, we ask you to come into this place and make us one. We love you. We thank you. Just tell Jesus, Jesus, I give you my ears. I give you my heart. I give you permission to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what is the church's response? What is the church's response to everything that's going on? We're in the middle of a series called Expanding the Kingdom. We actually uh, titled this series before every, all these different events happened. Um, but I think the title is still relevant to what we're going through. How can we expand the kingdom of God in spite of the division and pain that is happening in our lives? 
How can we expand the kingdom in spite of everything that is happening? Well, last week, I'm just going to, you can go and listen to it, but I want to just um, briefly go over the three truths that we needed to remember. Last week, we talked about, number one, the first truth, racism in Israel. How many of y'all have experienced racism in your life? Just raise your hand. A lot of people raised their hand last service. Okay? Racism is real and racism is wrong. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. One of the things we also discussed, though, was prejudice. There's, what is prejudice? Prejudice, this is my definition, is making assumptions about a group of people based on our experience with one or two people or maybe a small group of people. It's making a blanket assumption about a group of people based on our experiences with somebody. Can I also say prejudice is wrong? Prejudice is wrong. It's making assumptions about people. If somebody, if a, if a certain person hurt us in a, whatever way, whatever way, and we see somebody else that looks like them and they hurt us, it's saying, hey, they may hurt us too. Well, you know what? If you have red blood flowing through your veins, there's a chance you might get hurt by, through, through that person, right? If that, a lot of people are, 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 are this is such a polarizing um, topic. There's, there are many people who are saying all police officers are bad. There's a lot of people who, there are some people who are saying, hey, all black people are bad or all white people are bad. It doesn't matter where you look in society, you will, o- you will always find somebody that is evil, that doesn't know the Lord, first of all, and that is going to act out of their sinful nature. So there are bad cops, there are bad white people, there are bad black people, there are bad um, um, Hispanic people, don't want to leave us out. There are bad people <laughs> everywhere. We're not as bad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we gave the world tacos, so we're not that bad. <laughs> I love tacos. Actually, I love nachos. That's right. So if you want to bless me, uh, if you make some mean nachos, I'm willing to put it to the test, okay? There are bad people everywhere. Prejudice is making assumptions about people. I'm going to say this. We as Christians must work hard not to make assumptions about people based on what we've seen from other people who look like them. We have to work extra hard. How can we deal with this? 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love believes all things. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, believes all things. Love believes the best about people. How can we um, um, address this issue of, of prejudice? By believing the best about somebody. I remember a pastor... Uh, saying when I went to this conference and, he's, and they asked him, what's one thing that you, you would tell yourself when you first became a pastor that you know now that you've been in ministry a long time? And they said, I wish I would have believed the best about people to begin with and not just expect, expect the worst. When you believe the best about somebody, you are actually, according to the word of God, loving them. That's actually love. So if you learn to love people, then we can deal with racism and we can deal with prejudice. Amen? Number two, the second truth, hurt is real. One thing I've that I've realized more so compared to any other incident that's happened the past several years is that the hurt that the African-American community is dealing with is, is generational. Their parents went through it. Their grandparents went through it. And I believe that hurt has been transferred from generation to generation. And some of us who are Hispanic have, have gone through some of that. And so we understand, hey, my mom and dad went through this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to carry some of that. I'm going to carry some of that resentment. And it's really, just to be honest, it's made me more empathetic with them. You know, the Word of God says we are the body of Christ. I said this last week. Let me say this real quick. Dr. Caroline Leaf said, um, 
hurt uh, cannot be healed. Wounds cannot be healed until they are heard. Hurt cannot be healed until it, it is heard. We, as, and I gave that, that funny illustration about our, our toe being stubbed. If different parts of our body are being hurt and we see it, but we don't take the time to listen and pray about how we can heal the hurt, how will our body ever be healed? It'll never be healed. I, I mentioned this last week. I'll just say it again. Um, I understand why protests are happening because a lot of people don't understand the hurt that, that, that is present in our society. I'm not, I'm not here to argue either way. I'm just saying there is hurt that is real. And we as the church, it has to start with us. Healing is not going to be legislated. We're not going to put the right president or the right congressman or the right judge or whoever in place and fix these problems. If we're going to deal with the issue of racism and prejudice, it has to start in the church. And we have to start begin by loving one another. I posted this uh, a couple days ago, but this just came to my mind. A lot of people are saying, my rights. Hey, uh, people will not, um, there will not be equality unless everyone has equal rights, right? We've all heard that. We've all thought that. The truth is. We will not have equality until we give up our rights. Jesus gave up his rights when he went to the cross. He gave up his rights. And I'm, jump, I'm jumping ahead. Let me say this third point. The third point was justice doesn't bring uh, healing and peace. Forgiveness brings healing and peace. I've heard, you've heard that saying, no justice, no peace. How many of you have heard that? I don't agree with that statement. I don't agree with it. And I gave this analogy, and I keep, I'm like, why do I keep bringing Because it's a good one. This is a good analogy. Anybody who has had a family member taken away from them unjustly by, by a drunk driver or somebody was murdered or whatever, even if the book was thrown at that person who took your family member, unless, right, unless you forgave them, you didn't find healing. You didn't find um, uh, peace. You don't. You don't find it. Forgiveness brings healing. Now, do we need justice? Do we need, a, uh, um, do we need to improve our justice system? Probably, yeah. But justice doesn't bring peace, doesn't bring healing. Forgiveness brings healing and brings peace. Do you realize that our healing, our healing, our restored relationship with the Father was purchased in the middle of injustice? It was purchased by somebody forgiving us, somebody forgiving us and purchasing our healing. Jesus was on the cross and he had a decision to make when he was on the cross. They had already whipped him. They had put a crown of thorns on his head. They had mocked him. They had done all these things. And he had a decision to make. Was he going to say, Father, I want justice. You need to deal with all these people. I'm trying to save them. I'm here on the cross. I'm trying to save them. And instead, they are not appreciating it. And, and we know this because the word says that he could have called down uh, several legions of angels. What did he say and said, instead? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he didn't say it like this. Father, forgive those stupid people. They don't know what they're doing. Right? I truly believe, and I experienced this these past couple years. Jesus said it like this. Father, I know your wrath is great. I know that your wrath calls for them to be accountable. Father, please forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. If we're going to have healing in our country, some of us are going to have to lay down our rights and say, Father, just please forgive them. I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to serve them. Racism is real. Hurt is real. 
and forgiveness brings healing and peace. You know, everyone gets hurt. I, and, I, and I thought about this statement. Everyone gets hurt, but not everyone gets hurt equally. And that's just, that's just part of life. There are some people who have lost loved ones to tragedies that many of us will never experience in this lifetime. Everyone, hurt, everyone gets hurt, but not all hurt is real. But we know that we, if I, we entrust ourselves to the Father the way that Jesus entrusted himself, that he will repay us. See, that, and that's really the key. My identity is not in the color of my skin. And, th- and this is it. If you want to break down the walls of hostility, you have to begin to identify yourself with your true identity. If you're a Christian, you are not first a Hispanic. You are not first an African American. You're not first a white person. You are first a son of God. And until we accept that, we will, begin, we will continue to highlight our differences and we won't come into the perfection of the one body of Christ that God has called us to walk into. We are, we are sons of God. I, I know I've been prejudiced against. I know things have happened, but it doesn't bother me because I'm called to be like my dad. And my dad entrusted, all, my dad, not just my dad, but my heavenly father, went through all kinds of things while he was here on earth. He went through things, but he purchased our healing on a cross through forgiveness. And that's what we're called to do. Have you been hurt, abused, taken advantage of? Jesus knows. And he has a special heritage for you. And it's beyond this earth. Amen? Amen. I want to share one more thought, and then, and, then, and then we'll close. Our church is called Kingdom Church. And one of the things we say, uh, um, I've said a lot of times in describing what Kingdom Church is about, is, is this. When Jesus came to this planet, he brought a new way of thinking a new way of, of, um, of approach, uh, approaching life, a, d- a new way of, of, of living life. Now, most of us know this, but I believe that I'm saying it again because I believe that many Christians don't really understand this. I see, and this is, this is why I'm saying this, I see too many Christians approaching life the same way as somebody who's not saved. I see Christians approaching life the exact same way. I've seen, I've seen Christians lie to one another. I've seen Christians take advantage of one another. I've seen Christians get angry the same way as somebody who's not saved. You know, I've seen Christians have the same relationship with fear that the world does. If, if, one th- if there's one thing that COVID-19 has done is it's exposed Christians' relationship to fear. Some Christians have a better relationship with fear than they realize. I've seen people lose their minds. Did you know you have a better chance? I'm not, I'm not diminishing COVID. I believe we, we ourselves went in quarantine and we, and, we, and we handled it the right way. But do you know you have a better chance of being killed driving around in Odessa? Right? Not just Odessa. Go to Midland. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, COVID has, and I've talked with my good friends about this. It's amazing some of the people who you think have a good, have a solid relationship with God. When a situation like this arises, it shows that they have a better relationship with fear many times. And I thought of this analogy. 
and I, and I mentioned this last service, but imagine a Honda driving down the road. Honda, Honda's a good car. I've owned a Honda. I love Hondas. But on that Honda, it has Ferrari, the Ferrari symbol and the Ferrari ring across the back. And the person gets out of the car and says, oh, I have a Ferrari. Oh, really? Is that the 2021 model? Because I haven't seen that one driving around. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's a Ferrari. It's a Ferrari. I said, okay, let's jump in. You jump in and it's like, it's a nice car, but it's not, you know, $100,000, $200,000 car. And it's like, okay. Yeah, it's a Ferrari. It's a Ferrari. I was like, okay, let's take it on the road. And you tell them, hey, punch it. And they punch it and it barely goes along. <laughs> it's a Ferrari. Yeah, it's a Ferrari. Many Christians are the same way. Just because you say Jesus, just because you think Jesus, just because you go to church on the weekend does not necessarily mean you're a Christian. The word says you will know a tree by their fruits. I'm telling you, and I've had to reevaluate my own life. Like, hey, am I producing the fruits that matches the Christian? Um, we're going to read uh, uh, the. We're going to read. Uh, some of the Beatitudes in a minute, but one of them, it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If your first instinct, if your first instinct, when somebody does something wrong to you, is to talk bad about them, or to get all upset, then you're probably not living out that verse, because this is blessed are the merciful. When you, re- when you, <laughs> this is how you're able to have more mercy for people, when you realize how much mercy has been had on you. I'm telling you, we have to begin to reevaluate our, how we approach the world and how we respond to the world. Many of us are Honda, not, nothing wrong against Hondas, I love Honda. Many of us are Honda Christians and we're saying we're something else. Really, really. And this is why the church, and this is why the world wants nothing to do with the church. Because literally we look nothing like. We, we entertain ourselves like the rest of the world. We pleasure ourselves like the rest of the world. We do everything else like the rest of the world. And they're saying, hey, you're doing the same thing I'm doing. Why should I follow you? These nights of prayer, and just to highlight it, it these going to prayer every night for the last seven, six, six nights, seventh night tonight has been a sacrifice. It's been, it's been a battle for me personally and for those few people I've been coming. But this is what makes us different. We're saying, hey, all these things that are happening in your life that, that have, that, that, um, these, these, whatever priorities you have as, as a father, a mother, business person, you, you work somewhere, all these things are not bad. But did you know Jesus is the glue that keeps all, things, all those things together? We have, to begin to, we have to begin to respond to the world differently. In Matthew 5, chapters 5 through 7, Jesus gives his famous Sermon on the Mount. And he begins to turn upside down Israel's ideas of how they are to approach their, their Mosaic law and the relationship with one another and even the relationship with people who weren't Jews. Look at Matthew 5, verse 1. I'm going to read this passage. It says, talking about Jesus, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, these are famous words, so you, you might recognize them, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, those who are humble, for they shall inherit the earth. That is countercultural. The world says to get ahead, you need to cut people off. You need to do whatever it takes to get ahead. You need to step on people, whatever. The word says, blessed are the meek, those who prefer one another. They're the ones that actually inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Okay, go ahead. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Verse verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now pay attention to verses 9, 10, 11, and 12. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This is such a timely word for what we're going through right now. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. There are many people, I think everyone feels like they're being persecuted right now. I think, I, I, I believe that. Everyone can't say things, can't do, can't, like, if I say anything, like, you'll be ostracized. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. He said, blessed. Why are we blessed? Because in verse 12, he's about to show us we have a bigger perspective than what's going on in this world. He says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Bible actually says that when you are persecuted, you are blessed. How many of you all have, the last time somebody said something to you or did something to you, thought, man, I'm just so blessed. Man, God is pouring out, <laughs> he's pouring something out, he's pouring a blessing on me today, right? Nobody has thought that. Again, this is the kingdom. This is a different way of thinking. It's different. It's not like the way everyone else approaches life. And he says, you should count yourself blessed because... Your father has a great reward for you in heaven. Again, my identity is not in the color of my skin. My identity is, in, in my, is, is found in who I am in relation to my father. I'm his son. And he has a place for me in heaven. Go back to verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Why are peacemakers called sons of God? Because Jesus was a peacemaker. Part of kingdom's vision is to know Jesus, hear his voice, and follow him. When Jesus came to earth, he didn't do anything, didn't say anything, didn't do anything on his own ideas. He only said and did what he heard the Father tell him. That's how we're supposed to live. So somewhere along the way, when people were coming against Jesus, he he heard the Father tell him, hey, peace, you're called to peace. And so he did it. We, like Jesus, the Word of God says we're sons, we're sons of God, that he, he's our brother, he's, he's a lot of things, but he's our spiritual brother. We, like him, become peacemakers, and that's why we're sons of God. We're sons of God, and so that's one of our attributes. We do it because Jesus did it. Jesus was a peacemaker. Jesus purchased peace with God for us. Before we knew Jesus, uh, the Word of God says that uh, we were so, we were. Um, we we um we're with we're we're um sorry, that's going a million different ways. Um, we were enemies. The actual Bible actually says we were sons of the devil, and 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 this is going back to I forgot to say this earlier. This is why I was getting getting confused. Many of us say, well, I'm a I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God, or I have you know my parents were were Christians and my grandparents have this heritage. Jesus approached those same people in the Bible, and they, and they actually told Jesus in John 8. They said, hey, we have Abraham as our father. Hey, we have a father in heaven. And Jesus said, actually, uh, you are sons of your father, the devil. He said, the reason you're not accepting anything I'm telling you, the reason why you're getting offended by my words 
maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some people getting offended by, by some of these words out of the Bible. It's because we have something in us that isn't fully surrendered to the Lord. Jesus, picture the setting. People, with, people are in church. Jesus walks in and, and tells people, hey, you're actually sons of the devil. So before we were sons of God, we were sons of the devil. That's just the way it was. Jesus came and on the cross, he purchased peace for us. Look at Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 11 through 17. Don't forget that you Gentiles, he's talking to us. If you're not, if you're not a Jewish person of a Jewish descent, you're a Gentile. That's all of us. He says, don't forget, y'all used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. That's so good. goes back to that analogy. Those, some of these Jewish people, yes, they had, the, they had the customs that Moses gave them and these rabbis and, and all these people, but it only affected what they did on the outside. It didn't touch their heart. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. Talking about us, you live in this world without God and without hope. And that's true. When you don't have God, you don't have hope. Because when you die, that's it. When you have Jesus, you get to spend eternity with him. But now, verse 13, you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought what? Peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Peace will not come outside of Jesus. We read it, read it right here. Jews and Gentiles hated each other more than anyone in our country hates each other. They hated each other. Jews hated Samaritans. They hated Greeks. They hated, hated anyone that wasn't them. And, and those people hated the Jewish people too. It says that Jesus broke down the hostility in his body. Verse, 16, uh, uh, verse 15, he did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles and creating himself one new people from the two groups. Verse 17, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. So Jesus is a peacemaker. He brought, he made peace for us. Is that clear? I want to make sure that's clear. He made peace for us. Now I realize this, Jesus is a peacemaker. He purchased peace for us. Jesus had, peace didn't just come, it didn't just, it, it didn't just happen where Jesus told the Father, hey, can you have a, can, um, I know th- these people down here rejected you a long time ago, but can you just, can you just like call them up and, you know, just make things right? He didn't do that. There was a price he paid for peace. There was a price he paid for peace. Peace has a price. What was the price that Jesus paid for our peace? He gave his body up for us. That was the price that the father paid so that we could have a relationship with him. He gave up his son. He shed his blood for us. Verse, go back to verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We are called to peace, and peace has a price. I want to ask you. What price are you willing to pay for peace? What price are you willing to pay for peace? 
What does that look like? Everyone just close your eyes real quick. Think about that situation that you're going through that is not fair. That's not fair. Somebody's not treating you right. They've never treated you right. Or maybe a situation at your job where your employer is, um, is favoring one person over favoring somebody else over you. Peace in that situation is to not raise your voice, to lay down your rights, and trust the Lord is going to work it out for your good. What price are you willing to pay for peace? When all this stuff happened with George Floyd, I began to think about, the Lord was just stirring my heart about how to deal with the situation. Every person is, has to ask themselves a question. Do I value my opinion more or do I value peace more? What if the other person gets their way? What if they get their way and I continue to be persecuted, I continue to do all these things? Peace has a price. What are you willing to pay so that there's peace? I remember one time a couple years ago, I was, I was going, um, some people were coming against me. Some people actually posted some stuff about me on Facebook. And I got, of course, upset. I got really upset. And I thought, man, there are several things I could say right now. I could, I could type back. I could, I could bring it to, I could say a bunch of things. And as I was in the middle of this conversation with myself, I heard the Lord say, Josh, you have the right to say that. You have the right. They, they said wrong things about you. You have the right to say that. But if you're going to retaliate, don't consider yourself my son. And in that moment, I had to make a decision. Am I going to say nothing so that there's peace, or am I going to raise my voice and be like somebody else's son? What price are you willing to pay for peace? I said this earlier, everyone gets hurt and not everyone gets hurt equally. There are some wrongs that will not be made right until you get to heaven. And you have to, as the word says, count the cost. Following Jesus is not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. And like I said, I see too many Christians responding to the world and persecution the way that somebody who's not saved. The word of God says you are to count the cost when you follow Jesus. And this is one of the costs. Are you willing to pay the price for peace. Are you willing to pay the price? Because peace has a price. What's awesome is, I did say there are some things that are not going to be resolved until we get to heaven. But since that moment, I've seen the Lord bless me in so many different ways. Where it's like, the blessings are so great that you forget the offense. That's just the way the kingdom of God works. Some things may not be made right, but God is a faithful God, and he says, I will not let you go through more than you can handle. Peace has a price. If you could all stand. We're going to respond to what I feel like the Lord is saying to us. But I want to say one more thing. One, one, I remember um, one time the Lord was, was talking to me about reaching people, and he gave me this illustration of a bridge. How many of us wouldn't want to be a bridge between our family and Jesus, right? We pray for them, and we intercede for them, and we witness to them. We do these different things. I was like, yeah, I want to be a bridge. And he said, Josh, what do you know about bridges? I was like, what? Bridges get stepped on, and they get rolled over. He said, do you really want to be a bridge, or do you want to just be a bridge in theory? Connecting people to Jesus 
restoring peace between our family members, our loved ones, or whoever, and Jesus has a price. Are you willing to pay the price?